Okay, good morning, Bridge Church. Happy Memorial Weekend. I'm so excited to be here. I've just got so much. It's like, oh, where do I begin? I got so much, but um, no, so I'm just last week or earlier this week, I'm meeting with Dustin and kind of going over our message. Like I, I write it up and then I, I, he gives me thoughts and critiques and it, it's great. And one of the things he says is, hey, this nine o'clock service time, these guys know how to do it, right? So you better not let me down. You know how I'm up here, but really you all, you all better not let me down. Uh, no, but I, I am very excited to be here today. This series has been awesome, right? This series so far has just been great. If you've missed any of it, I'm telling you, you should go online, watch it, because it is, it's amazing. Um, I was literally sitting, normally I sit over here, I'm an 11er, all right? I'm an 11er. I have kids, okay? But I normally sit over there, and you know, Dustin's just getting into his message, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, Man, this is great. I feel so bad. Whoever has to follow this. I'm like, oh, wait, that's me. That's me. No, I, I am really excited. Um, We're going to finish out Paul's letter to the Philippians today. And there's just so much stuff here. It's jam-packed. Um, but I've got a couple things. First, we're going we're gonna to kind of read through the rest of the letter, and then I'll break it up into smaller parts. But before we really get into that, I just want to say, um, if this is one of your first times here at the Bridge Church, man, I'm excited for you to be here. This is a great place to be. There is no better place for you to be, and so I am super pumped up, as you will see, um, that you are here. And just that also goes into my second warning. Um, If you've never been here while I have spoken Um, just be prepared, all right? I'm a very passionate person, um, and you will see it. I, you know, I dance. I don't dance, but I jump up and down. I, I might get a little loud, and I'm just for one of you guys, it's because I'm passionate, all right? I've seen Jesus in my life. He has changed my life, and so when I speak, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. I am passionate to do it. So, disclaimer's over. Chris, let's go, right? Let's go. So, Before, another before, stop with the befores. Um, I just want to set the stage again, right? So here, Paul, while in prison, is writing this letter to the church of Philippi. And this church holds a significant place in his heart because it's actually the first church that he started or founded in Europe. And he's sending this letter as a thankful message to them for all that they have done for Paul. And so uh, we start here in chapter 4, verse 10. And again, buckle up. We are going to go through this entire end of the letter, and then we'll kind of break it up. But starting in verse 10, it says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, the Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news and when then traveled from Macedonia. No other church did this. 
Even when I was in Thessalonica, thank you, I even, I'd practiced that for so long. You sent me help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with gifts you sent with me from Ephroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now for all the glory to God, our Father, forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people who are belonging to Jesus Christ. The brothers who are with me and send you their greetings, and all the rest of God's people send you greetings too, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Some translations go on to say amen there as well. Um, And so there's a lot to unpack there, right? Um, I was so excited to get this section because there's just so much. um, And so I want to go. I want to go right into what is it Paul is saying, right? Or what can we learn from his letter here and the different things that he's writing? So we're going to jump back to the beginning, and I want to start in verse 11. And it says, Not that I was never in need, and for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And I've read through this passage a lot, right? But I don't know if I really grasp everything Paul's gone through. Like, that I can comprehend. Like, I can read this and be like, yeah, I get it. I should be content. Yep, good job, Paul. I I get it. But shouldn't his situation amplify what he's telling us here? I mean, contentment is easy when everything's going good, right? It's not very difficult to be content in that situation. Just yesterday... Some of my buddies took me out golfing for my birthday. It was a beautiful day. I played at a beautiful course. I shot all right. I'm content. This is great. This is easy. Following Christ is so easy. And even, I feel like there's levels. It can be even, like maybe you start with nothing. Started from the bottom, now we're here, right? And so we moved our way up, and we have all this stuff. Man, that's easy to be content. I have no, I've had nothing and I've got everything now. I am content. But in Paul's case, this is different. Materialistically wise, I might have just made that word up. He started up high and ended down here. As Crystal Reminded us last week, I mean, he was a Pharisee, right? He would have had high standing in the community. Then he follows this Jesus guy, and he goes through nothing but hardship, 
right? At the, like I just said earlier, at the time of this writing, he's in prison. But that wasn't even his first time in prison or the running with the law. In Acts chapter 16, oddly enough, while in Philippi, he was stripped, beaten, and then thrown into prison. In Acts chapter 23, it tells us that Paul was imprisoned as well in Caesarea, which will be better conditions than Philippi, but prison nonetheless. So when he tells us, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything, he means it. He's seen it all. There really is not a more perfect example of this than Paul. And even, even as I say the word contentment, what do we think about? We think about material things. We think about the things that we own. We think about our financial status, our possessions, where we visited, where we live. To be content, we want the best things in our lives. But if we're really honest with ourselves, that's not contentment. Right? When we yearn for all this material things, it's, it's not doing the job. What it really is is a longing to fill an empty space within ourselves. So when you, when you desire these things, it never, that desire never goes away. There is no satisfaction. Paul realized this. You see, Paul got to a point in his life where God was at the center. He focused on what he was supposed to do and not what he was supposed to have. He removed himself from the material so that he could focus on the eternal. We've got to follow Paul's example here. I mean, maybe aside from the prison part, right? But we need to be content with the things that we have. We need to be content with our surroundings. And we can do this by looking at what Paul did. He focused on what he was doing. He focused on spreading the good news. That's where we can find contentment because we're no longer worrying about the things we have. We're focusing on the people we're helping, the good news that we are spreading. Just think of it this way. Contentment doesn't come from possessions at all. It comes from our production of good. What good can you produce? And a side note here, I, I almost wasn't going on there through this, but um, I think it's important. Um, so hopefully you can follow along with me here. But I also want us to work on being content with ourselves. Right? We've talked about possessions and surroundings. But I want to take a second and just let everybody know, right? Maybe you are not content with yourself. You are a child of God. You are made in His image. He loves you. He's ready to fight for you. We just sang all about it. 
I want you to be content in that. Now, with that, don't get this confused with complacent, right? You can always strive to make yourself a better person. You can always strive to do better things, but that doesn't come from a place of doubt or pity, right? That comes from knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. And so I want you to be content with yourselves. I'm also a very thirsty person. Um, so I, I only went one water bottle today. You know, you should, I'm, I'm proud of myself. Um, okay, so our letter goes on to verse 13. And I mean, this is a big verse, right? Even when I was just reading through it the very first time, I mean, you, and you guys, so far you're not disappointing, right? This is awesome. You guys were pumped up just to hear it. But before I actually go into that, I want to talk about something a little different, uh, and that's back to prison. Um, like I, I mentioned earlier, right, Paul's currently in prison while writing this letter. He's been in and out of prison for the things that he believes. Um, but now I want to talk about a different prison. And Dustin actually hit on this briefly last week when he was talking about suffering but I want to talk about being in prison not in a physical way. I want to be talking about an emotional prison or a psychological prison. And so I want everybody to take a second. And I want you to think about the current prison you're in. Right? Some of you, some of you right off the bat, yep, I, I know. I know it. Right? Like myself. Right? I know what prison I'm currently in and what I'm trying to get out of. Is it a prison of shame? Or guilt? Is it fear about something that's got you locked up? Is it you holding on to a grudge? Did you go through some kind of pain and you just cannot let that go? Is depression your prison? Is it marital struggles? Is stress the warden of your prison? What kind of prison is it? Might be big, might be small. But I want everybody to think about what their emotional prison is or the emotional prison they face right now. And the next part of this, probably the more important question, is what keeps you locked in there? Why are you in that prison? And as we read through this, I want you to keep those things in mind. I want you to be thinking about the prison. And I want you to be thinking about why are you still there? And so as we read into verse 13, it says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. All things through Christ who gives me strength. So as Christians, if we live for Christ and he is in us, then let me ask you again, what's keeping you in that prison? 
Is it self-doubt? Is it maybe a limitation you've put on yourself? I can't do it. I just can't get past this. How many times do you say that? How many times do you just think that? We just stay put in our prison like we are locked away because we just, we can't do it. We can't get over it. But just like Dustin was talking about last week about not being done yet. You see that statement that I can't do it isn't done yet. Finish that statement. I can't do it alone. I can't get past it alone. But that statement's not done yet. There's more to that. Because with him, I can do all things. I can do everything with Christ who gives me strength. So finish that statement. This, even this entire message, this reminds me of a story or a conversation I had with my son, Nolan. Um, we were talking about, he couldn't do something, right? He said, this is impossible. He was, he was 10 at the time, so just give you some reference there. This is impossible. I can't do it. And of course, Peppy Positive Dad is like, yeah, you can. I reminded him of the verse, with Christ, you can do everything. And this little punk, I can't fly. Dad comes back. Yes, you can. In fact, you just did. We just went to Florida. You were on an aeroplane. No, Dad. I mean, I mean without a plane. I can't fly. And at that point, I had to turn the serious dead conversation on because I wanted him to understand something. Why put that limitation on that statement? Let's say your goal was to fly. Why limit yourself to say, without such and such? Why not just be like, look, I'm flying. On a plane? Do we do that? Do we do that in our lives today? Right? Is that one of the reasons that we just can't do it? Because we ourselves are getting in our own way. We've put up some kind of limitation in our path that we just can't get past. Remove it. Get it done. Stop being your own enemy. Get out of your own way. We have trouble with seeing how God works. And sometimes that's not for us to understand. We have trouble seeing God working through other people in our lives. Don't discount that. Don't discount God's power. Don't put him in a box. I promise you, he doesn't fit. Maybe you can't pay rent. Your neighbor comes up, slides a check under your door. Don't you see God at work there? Maybe you don't have a car. 
Somebody's going to donate a car to you. Maybe you're going through marital problems. Therapy might be a great success for you, but you're too prideful. You think, no, I'm going to do this alone. We can do this by ourselves. No. I'm sorry. Sometimes you can't. I'm happy for the people that can. Man, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. But if that's not you, remove that pride. We talked about that earlier in this series. Get rid of that pride. Maybe there's even another level to that. There might be people who don't think they deserve that strength from God. They've done something in their lives or they've been through something that they just know I don't. I don't even ask for God's help because I feel like I'm just not good enough. They think to themselves, I'm not worthy. And you're right. The enemy comes in and attacks you. And he, he reminds you of all your flaws. He reminds you of all the things that you've done wrong. I got to be honest with you guys. You're not worthy. I mean, I'm not worthy. No one is. The beautiful thing about Paul's letter is he knew he wasn't. And just like Dustin said earlier, he's probably the greatest apostle ever. But he knew he was not worthy. But that's what makes this so much more beautiful. That's what makes God's grace all the more awesome. You don't have to be worthy. Just faithful in him. So we can do it. We can do these things with his strength. And regardless of worthiness, we can break out of these prison walls that we find ourselves in. I want to do a little experiment. Never done anything like this before, but I, I want to have some fun with this. So I'm going to put that verse back up on the screen, nice and big, so everybody can read it. But this time, I want us to read this together. Not yet. Not yet. I'll say go. You're like kids. Like, you ever do a race with kids, and as soon as you tell them they're racing, it's like, no, I'm going to tell you when to go. So thank you for staying seated. I'll tell you when to go. Um, but before we read through this together, I want you to remove yourself from this building. You are not here. If you need to close your eyes, you can do that. But I want you to put yourself, envision yourself in your current prison. But this time, Jesus is with you. And I want you to get excited about this verse. I want you to let your spirit sing here, guys. I want you to believe this verse. And as you say it, I want you to shout it out so loud that I know that you believe this. I want you to shout this out or read this out like this is the key. This is the key to that prison that you're in. You've got it right there. All you've got to do is pick it up and open up that door. I want to hear the faithfulness 
in your voices here. Because you see, our God, he is the breaker of chains, guys. Our God is the way maker. No matter what's in your way, he is the way maker. He is the maker of miracles. Our God will keep his promise to us. He is the darkness. or He is the light in the darkness that you currently find yourself in that prison. So I want you to shout this out like it is for you. I want you to shout this out like this is for the people that are next to you, around you in your life that you can see are trapped in a prison. And maybe they're not listening to you, but I want you to get the strength right here that you need to get yourself out of your prison. The strength that you need to get somebody else, one of your loved ones, out of their prison. And lastly, I want you to say this for him. I want you to believe this. Everybody ready? Let's go. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Come on now. Come on now. All right, we're going to count it down. Three, two, one. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, man. I need a second, guys. It's hot and I've got goosebumps. I can't explain it. But I love it. We're not done yet, though. Because I don't want you to just say this. I want you to live it. I want you to show your faithfulness in the way that you live your life. Because that kind of faithfulness, that is what is pleasing to God. And that is what Paul reminds us as he closes out his letter. So beginning again in verse 14, even so you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, the Philippines were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news and then traveled to Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. I don't say this because I want another gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Aphrodite's, and they are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. At the end of Paul's letter, you can tell that he's thankful and he's very pleased with this church that he's started. He makes it a point to tell them he is so grateful for all that they have done for him. But he also wants to be very clear that it is not the gifts themselves that he's so excited about. 
That's not the big deal here. The sweet-smelling aroma he is talking about isn't some literal smell. It's not something that they sent to him. It's their practical application of faith. The faith in Christ that the Philippians show here is what Paul is celebrating. That's what he's excited about. N.T. Wright puts it this way when talking about these verses. He says, What really gladdens God's heart is the generous spirit which proceeds from love and trust. And all this means that we that he can promise the Philippians what he himself was found to be true. Those who trust God in this way can be certain and that he will supply all their needs as well. And I want to spend some time here because I think it's in, there's, there's a very important lesson to be learned. And that's kind of the relationship between faith and deeds. See, Paul writes about this earlier in Romans chapter 3 when he says, Man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. James also has something to say about this. He says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So, on the surface, these two statements seem to kind of butt heads with each other, right? Paul is saying, man is justified by faith. James is saying, faith isn't enough by itself. And I want to be very clear here that we cannot earn our salvation. By following the law, by serving God, that is not how you get salvation. But such actions can show your commitment to God. It's deeds of, of loving and serving others are not a substitute, but instead a verification of our faith in Christ. It's not something that you can do to receive. It's your faith in here. That is how you are saved. Our, de- our good deeds can never earn us salvation. I want us to, when we talk about salvation, I almost want to get rid of the word earn. It doesn't belong there, but true faith always results in a changed life, and good deeds come from that. When you truly have faith in Jesus, you begin to change. Your life begins to change. There are good things that come from that. And so that is what James is saying here. It's, let me show you my faith by the things that I am doing in my life. Let it be approved. Let it be my commitment to God. And that's why even reading this off, it's not enough just to say it. Even demons 
knew who Jesus was. They knew him before others knew him. But they didn't follow him. True faith involves a commitment of your whole self to God. True faith transforms our conduct as well as our thoughts. If our lives remain unchanged, then we, we don't truly believe in what we claim to believe in. And this is why Paul's excited. And this is why what Paul writes is exciting. Because we're seeing this kind of faith play out in his life. Again, remember, the dude's in prison. The dude was beaten. He's, he's had a horrible go of this. But like what we learned earlier in this, this series, he said, all that I used to have as a Pharisee and everything, that is nothing. That is nothing to what I have now. And so like I said earlier, when Paul kind of started up here and ended down here, that's that material life talking. But in the eternal life, he did start down here, didn't he? And guess what? He ended up here. And he's seeing that in this church in Philippi as well. They're following his teachings. They are showing their faith by the way they are living their lives. They are following in his footsteps because he's doing the same thing. Paul is letting them know that God is pleased with them because of their faith, not because of the gifts they've given him. He is pleased because of the way they are living out their lives, the good news that they are spreading. As the worship team can come back up as we close here, faith is the key to all of this. Truly believing in the things that you read in your Bible or the, even in this letter that Paul writes. Truly believing that Christ died to save you of your sins should change your life. Amen. It's going to lead to a changed mindset. It's going to give you the key you need to get out of that emotional prison that you're in that struggle that you're currently facing. We, we need to change the way that we live our lives and produce these good deeds to show our commitment to God, which in turn helps us be content because we're no longer worried about the things that we do or don't have. We're worried about the things that we are doing for ourselves and other people, for this community. And that kind of faith, that is what is pleasing to God. That's what makes him smile. Not, not a sweet smell. The act of faith being put into place. Let's get out of our own way. Let's start following his way. 
And when that enemy surrounds us, just like what we talked earlier, when the enemy tries to remind us of all of our faults and all of the things that we've done wrong, remember who is with us in that prison. Remember who is here just saying, come to me and I can get you out. Come to me, I'm right here. I want to help you. Let's pick up that key. Let's just not read these things. Let's just not sing these songs. Let's live this way. Let's apply this to our lives. And let's start seeing that change. I'm going to end in a prayer here. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your presence. We are so thankful that you are with us in our times of need. When we are in the fire, you stand right next to us. There is literally nowhere we can go that you are not with us, and we are so thankful. I just ask that you remind us of that in our toughest times, in our darkest days. I ask that you give us the strength. You release your spirit onto us and help us live the way you want us to so that we walk down your path. I ask for these things in Jesus' name, in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.